Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. The first week of this series, we laid the foundation by focusing on the words of Christ in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, where he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And I told you that seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness is about priority. The second week was about the things in life that we elevate to the throne of our lives. In Exodus chapter 20, God commands us not to have any other gods before him. And if we're not careful, we will have our hand-carved idols, the things that are made by our own doing that control the kingdom of our hearts when God's desire is to be first in our life. And then last week, we looked at the principle of first. If you are not a giver, if you are not a tither, go and listen to that podcast. Not because I'm teaching it, but because the principle of first has the potential to change your life. And last week, we looked at the principle of first. And the principle is simple. If you will honor God with your first fruits, then the remaining funds are blessed. God is not interested in leftovers, and that's what so many Christians want to give him. They want to give God their leftovers. God wants your first. And he did not put this principle in place because God is greedy. He put the principle in place because God is generous. God is a giver. And honoring God with your first fruits opens the blessings of heaven heaven on your finances. I told you last week that our salvation is displayed in the principle of first. Actually, our salvation depends upon the principle of first, not because of what you can give, but because of what he gave. Jesus was God's firstborn. Jesus was God's first fruit offering to redeem us from our sin. How many of you today are thankful that the principle of first saved our lives? Amen? Amen. Amen. And as we end this series today, I want to revisit the text that we used in week one, uh, Matthew chapter 6. I want to revisit these, these thoughts, these scriptures, but I want to add some previous verses from the same chapter to bring these past three weeks all together. Now, uh, chapter 6, there's a lot of things that are covered. This is part of, of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave us, and uh, there's a number of things. Um, he talks about giving. He talks about praying. He talks about fasting, and, um, and so I want to start reading at verse 19, and I want you to listen close to the words of Christ. This is Jesus speaking, and I want you to really take in what what he is trying to tell us here, okay? So verse 19, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now go to verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which one of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. In this portion of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus recognizes that there are certain things in life that are legitimate concerns. On this last week of this series where I, I feel like I've been pretty hard on you. I feel like I've, I've, I've come hard in, in the teaching. It's all truth. I don't regret any of it. But, but this is a tough series because this changes priorities in our lives. But on this last week of this series, I want to acknowledge that Jesus acknowledges that there are legitimate concerns that you have in life. Jesus said this. He said, your heavenly father knows that you need them all. That God is not oblivious to the needs that you have in your life. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. God knows that we need finances to buy the groceries. God knows that we need finances to pay the mortgage. He knows that we need money to keep the utilities turned on. He knows that we need clothing. If Jesus were to preach this message today, he probably would have added things like this. That God knows that you need transportation. He probably would have said, God knows your, your auto insurance and that you need money to pay for auto insurance. God knows that you need health insurance. God knows that you need a retirement plan. He knows that the kids need braces, that there are registration fees for your child to play sports, that senior pictures are not cheap. He knows this. He knows that your student loans are coming due soon. If he were to preach this message today, Jesus would acknowledge those things because he understands. He understands your health concerns. He understands your aches and your pains. And I believe Jesus was telling us that, that God knows that every day that you wake up that there are a million and one concerns on your mind, if not more. And this is what makes Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 so powerful. Listen to it again. We, we've quoted it many times during this series. But seek first. Say, say first. first. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Jesus doesn't ignore your needs. They deserve a place on your priority list. You can't not think about them. And if you dig in deeper, you will see that he knows that they must be listed among your concerns. It's important to realize that he said, seek first the kingdom of God. This implies that there is a second. That he knows that there's a third concern. And that there's a fourth concern and a fifth and a sixth. He knows that there's a list of concerns that you have. And that does not scare God at all. And he certainly doesn't say we are to ignore those concerns. It's just that your concerns don't belong at the top of your priority list. The kingdom of God has to be there. If you can get this right, not just for 2019, but for the rest of your life, if you can elevate the kingdom of God to the top of your priorities, when your needs and your wants are elevated to the top of your priority list, your life is out of balance. That is what is wrong with so many Americans today. 
Their lives are out of balance because they've elevated those concerns to the top of the list and they're living life trying to feed those concerns. But when the kingdom of God is at the top, all of those cares and all of those concerns are kept in check. Understand that. I'm not standing before you today saying that I don't have problems. I don't even think Jesus would tell you that you don't have problems. You've got problems. Matter of fact, he told us that the problems are going to come. The trials are going to come. You are going to have problems. You have problems right now. But we cannot elevate those problems above the throne of God. A few years ago, Amazon released some data. And they informed us of what the most highlighted passage in all of the Bible was. Aren't you curious? Don't you want to know? All of you Amazon users out there, Amazon keeps track of your highlights. When you ebook readers mark sentences, the online retailer knows. It's scary, right? That's why I read hard copies of books. Often our staff, we will, we will read through a, a book together as a staff, and I'll ask the staff, you know, who wants a hard copy and who's going to download a digital copy? And sure enough, um, there's always that one. It's Andrew Petrush. <laughs> everybody else, everybody else, we all, we all, you know, have the hard copy, and Andrew wants to read it on his iPad. And that's okay. It's just another way that the government is going to keep track of your every move. It's all right. <laughs> so... Amazon released the most highlighted passages from their best-selling books, such as Hunger Games. And they, they released, okay, he, here's the most highlighted passages from Hunger Games, or the Harry Potter series, or, or, or even Pride and Prejudice. But of course, we know that the Bible is also one of their best sellers. One would expect that the most highlighted passage in all the Bible would probably be John 3.16, Right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. That wasn't it. For some of us, we, we would think maybe the 23rd Psalm. That's a very popular one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me, the, you know, you know the. We would think that would be the one. But that wasn't the most highlighted passage in all the Bible. Instead, it was a verse that speaks volumes as to where we are at as a society. Amazon reported that the most highlighted passage in all of the Bible was Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 was the most highlighted passage in all of the Bible. And here's what it says. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You don't think that we have a worry problem? The fact that this is the most highlighted passage in all of the Bible speaks volumes about who we are and where we're at as a society. We are reminding ourselves not to be anxious, not to be fearful, not to be overly concerned. But what's interesting to me is that the most popular passage is incomplete. Now, before you email me this week, I, I want to let you know that I understand that 
every word that comes from the Bible. I, I know that every verse that goes forth is powerful and it will not return void. So don't send me emails, you know, trying to correct me, okay? I understand that. It's just that you need to understand that when the Apostle Paul was writing this letter, he did not include chapter and verse numbers. He wasn't taking the time to break it down. It was a letter. As a matter of fact, those were added. The chapters and verse numbers were added later in the 13th and 16th centuries by scholars. And while I'm thankful for this, this system of reference purpose, for reference purposes, I, I, I know that this also creates some problems. Because often, because of the way our Bibles are numbered and the verses the way that they're numbered, we often get half of the thought that was actually being said. Take, for instance, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Many husbands love to, to rule and reign over their wives with this, where it says, wives submit to your husbands. But what you fail to realize is that verse 21 is right before that, where it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. There's a mutual submission that takes place in marriage. Oh, it just got quiet in here. I thought all the women in the room would say amen right there. And so it's easy sometimes for, for us to see the chapters, to see the verses, and, and we, we put this separation there. There's a distinction between the line before and the line afterwards. We're so confused by the numbers, but that's kind of the story of our lives, right? We're confused by the numbers because numbers just get to us. We worry about the numbers on the paycheck. We're anxious about the numbers in the bank account. We're uptight about the, the days of the calendar, the number of days on the calendar. We're concerned about the blood pressure numbers. We're depressed because of the numbers on the scales as we weigh ourselves walking out of Publix, right? Numbers mess with us. We're concerned with these things. And when it comes to Philippians chapter four and verse six, this verse, uh, the verse numbers here calls us to not see the whole picture of what was actually being said because Paul was not only saying, don't worry, don't be anxious. He was also telling us why we shouldn't worry. And he gives us a reason why. And I, I, I want you to listen to the complete sentence as Paul wrote it in his letter because it begins in verse 5. And so I'm going to take part of verse 5 and I'm going to add it to the rest of that sentence that he was saying. Philippians chapter 4, 5 and 6. He says, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He says, the Lord is at hand, so don't be anxious. Ancient commentators like St. John Chrysostom and Theodoret, the bishop of Cyrus, read these as one verse and not two separate verses. Chrysostom quoted it as, as saying, the Lord is at hand and nothing be anxious. Theodoret is, is very similar to that. He says, the Lord is near, have no worries. These verses together show us that when God is first, that we have no need to sweat the small stuff, small stuff, no matter how big it may seem. I understand your problem is big, but your God is bigger. Your problem is real, but so is your God. And then you add verse 7 in with it. You put five, six, and seven together, and it really starts to make sense. Listen to it all together. 
The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He says, listen, God is at hand. And if you will understand that and don't worry, don't be anxious, Present your request to God, give it to him, and then trust that God's going to meet that. Trust that God's going to take care of that. It will bring a peace that passes understanding to your life, and it will guard your heart, and it will guard your mind. Because the enemy is out to discourage your heart and invade your mind. And you have to understand where we are at in, in God's priority list. God has already put us first. And so the question comes to my mind, why does one person panic when they receive bad news and, and another person is at peace. You've noticed this before. They can be in the same situation, but one person is panicking and the other person is at peace. How does this happen? And the answer is really simple. It's that their worldview has God on the throne and not the problem ruling and reigning their lives. People of faith, listen to me. Christians, understand this. When we elevate God to the first priority, all of our worries, our cares, our concerns fall under Him. As the great Jack McKinley has said many times and was quoted in our children's Christmas program this year, God is bigger than what's the matter? If you're not careful, worrying can become a way of life for you. You ever met someone that they are just a professional worrier? That's what they do. That's their identity. It's, it's who they've become. It gives you this false sense of importance as, as to say that by worrying, you're somehow making a difference. Jesus warned us and said, that will not add one day to your life. I'll go out and say, no, worrying is probably actually taking days off of your life. And so in Mark chapter 4, and you don't have to turn there, but in Mark chapter 4, we get a glimpse of these two contrasting mindsets, panic and peace. And you have to determine which one of those you're going to fall under today. If you have elevated God to the first priority in your life, you get to operate in peace. But if your problems have been elevated to the, to the throne of your life, then you are going to panic and in Mark chapter 4, we see this, where Jesus and the disciples are on a boat on the Sea of Galilee. And a storm comes up. The Bible says that the waves were crashing into the boat, and the boat was beginning to fill up with water. Well, Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. The disciples are panicking. They're, they're trying to bail water out of the boat, and they're panicking. And, and, and Jesus is sleeping. And so the disciples run back to Jesus and they ask him a question, and this is not a faith-filled question. Don't read into this what it's not. But they ask him a question. They said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Jesus, are you not concerned that we're about to die? And, and you're on this boat with us. You're about to die too, is what they're saying. And you're just sleeping through this. Do you not have any concerns at all? Have you ever had a friend or family member that when tough times hit, they just seem to be at peace with everything? And you're like, we're all about to die here. And, and, and where are you at in this? That's what they're saying to Jesus. Are you not concerned that we're all perishing? And I think that's a fair question. 
Jesus gets up. He doesn't even acknowledge them in the moment. He gets up and he, he walks to the front of the boat and he speaks to the storm and he says these words, peace, be still. Peace, be still. And the Bible says that the wind ceased and there came a great calm. That all it took was Jesus saying, peace be still, and circumstances were back to normal. And then he turns to the disciples, and he says to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? They didn't wake Jesus up because they believed that he could do it. They were waking Jesus up because... They wanted him to be concerned that they're all dying together. And Jesus says, you don't have any faith. Isn't it amazing how two people can be in the same boat, but view the situation completely different? Two people have been laid off from work. Same circumstances. One says, my career is over. The other says, when one door closes, God opens another door. Same boat two different mindsets. Two people are both dumped by their significant other. One says, nobody will ever love me. The other one says, oh, God's got somebody better for me. Same boat, two different mindsets. Two people are diagnosed with the same cancer. One says, where is God? And the other says, Jesus, hold my hand. It's two different mindsets. Same boat. One's operating in panic. The other is operating and peace. God knows that your storms are sub subject to him. The problem is when will we figure that out? That whatever it is you're going through right now, God knows exactly what it is. And that storm is subject to God. We were singing about it this morning. The waves and the wind, they still know his name. They still have to obey. Your circumstance still has to obey the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And no matter what it is, it does not frighten God. With a God-first mentality, problems fail to steal your joy because you know where your help comes from. Your help comes from the Lord. And when God is on the throne, a million and one concerns have to bow to his majesty. When God rules and reigns your life, you don't have a care or concern that can overthrow him. Stephen Covey shares the story of a time management expert who was speaking to a group of business students. And during the middle of his presentation, he pulled out this wide mouth jar and he put it on the table in the front of the classroom. He then proceeded to put fist-sized rocks into the jar until he filled the jar all the way up to the top. And he looked at the students and he said, is the jar full? Looking at the fist-sized rocks that are in the jar, filling it all the way up to the top, they answered yes, knowing that he could not get one more rock inside of there. He said, really? Then he pulled out a, a bucket of gravel and he began to pour it over the rocks and he would shake the jar every once in a while, making sure it was filling in all the, the cracks. Then he asked, is the jar full? And the students were on to him, and they said, no, no. He said, good. 
He then dumped a bucket full of sand in on top of the rocks and the gravel. He said, is the, is the jar full now? And they said, no, no, it's not full. And then he got some water and he began to pour the water over the top of it. He said, is it full now? And they said, probably not. He asked the class then, he said, what's the point of the illustration? And one of the students answered, he said, oh, it's simple. It's no matter how full your schedule is, if you try hard, you can always fit more in. He just shook his head no, and the speaker said, that's not the point. The point is this, that if you don't put the big rocks in first, you'll never get them all in. Church, what do you start with first? What do you put into your life first? Before the bills, before the doctor's report, before the cares, before the concerns, before the worries, if we would just learn to put first things first, God, you, your kingdom, your righteousness, will be the top priority of my life. I will make sure there's room for that before anything else. And then there's a second priority, and then there's a third, and then there's a fourth, and then there's a million and one. But I'm telling you, if we can just learn to elevate God to the throne of our lives, all of these other cares and concerns will bow. I watched this happen in my own life. About two years ago, Mandy and I were closing on a new home that we had built. Understand, as I told you last week, I've been a tither since I was 14 years old. God has always met my needs, always. Never once has he failed me. I've also told my wife that after this last house, I never want to build another house for the rest of my life. It just wasn't an easy build. The house before that, it, it was just different. It was, it was much simpler. This one was not. And through all of that stress and everything going along with that, I let those concerns be elevated to the throne of my life. And my wife will tell you for the first time in our marriage, the only time in our marriage that we can remember, I panicked about finances. We were going to closing. And there was a certain amount of money that we were expecting to have to bring to closing. And then all of a sudden, one week before, that number changed. And I panicked. My wife will tell you that she's, she has never seen me in, in a state of mind like that, especially when it comes to finances. She has never once witnessed that. And I'll tell you, I had to get alone with God. And I had to be reminded that he provides, not me. I've never once provided for my life. Some of you, you need to learn that. Your increase doesn't come from you. Your increase comes from your heavenly father. 
And when that mental shift happened in my mind, we walked into closing owing less than what we originally thought we were going to have to. It's just the way God works. First things first. God. Spouse. Children. Cares. Concerns. Worries. Doubt. Fear. Struggles. As long as God is here, all of these things have to bow to Him. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.